You're in the doghouse now. This is Brendan Boylan alongside me for the ride. Tyler Helms, we got a nice week in review in terms of the dogs. We got um, a little bit of looking ahead to see what the dogs have coming up. And we also have a little bit to talk about. We're SoCon champs, my friend. Yeah, big things to come in this upcoming weekend for the running Bulldogs, Brendan. All right, let's start week in review. We have a couple different basketball games to talk about because, let's face it, basketball seems like they're always playing. Uh, the women's basketball team win over Winthrop 70-52, to an 18-point W for the Lady Dogs. Alexis Hill, 18 points, 6 rebounds. Candace Brown, 13 points and 8 rebounds. Olivia Parker, limited minutes, finally comes back from that ankle injury. And Olivia looked really good. She had 4 points and 2 boards in under a minute of play when she entered the game for the first time. But the big difference in that game for me, Tyler, was the fact that the Dogs really couldn't get away from this Winthrop team until the fourth quarter. Really tight. A team that's bottom of the conference and a team that they had already lost to earlier in the season. They had lost two first-team preseason All-Big South players, a team that was in really desperate need of some players coming back healthy. Winthrop even calls up a girl from the soccer team to be an emergency player against Gardner-Webb because they only had nine available until she came up. So she was making, I guess, just a tenth player just in case, God forbid, something happened to essentially the entire roster. But Gardner-Webb being, at that point, third in the conference and Winthrop sitting at 11th, calling that game with Jared Bankers, we were a little surprised that this game was as tight as it was. But Gardner-Webb comes out in the fourth quarter and dominates the fourth quarter. We're on a 23-3 run to end the game. Everything was falling, and let's just face it. I mean, it seemed like everybody on this team was hitting shots. Uh, Tierra Huntsman finished with 13, Brown 13. Hill with 18, as I mentioned. Olivia, 9 points and 5 rebounds and some limited action. Really impressive from Olivia. But that was only the first of the doubleheader, Tyler. We had ESPN come in. Mike Hogwood did the game here on ESPN3. And the guys may have had a tighter game than the girls. Yes, Brennan. Rounding up the doubleheader last Saturday, the men's team facing Presbyterian. In a game that ends up having to go to overtime, Isaiah Ivey hitting a game-winner from beyond the arc in that matchup for the win, 69-66 to over PC. And, Brendan, it was a little sad to see. Gardner-Webb had an 18-point lead at one point in this game that dwindled away. PC fought their way back in that game to force overtime. Big force in the middle for the running Bulldogs. Tyrell Nelson going for 14 points and 11 boards, shooting 60% from the field. And early on in that game, as it was close to Get that 18-point lead. Dylan Poston hitting four consecutive threes to really create some separation in the game. And it was really interesting, Tyler, because after the women's game was over, I had the chance to, you know, go and sit on the floor and kind of enjoy myself while you actually had to work a little bit. But I watched that game. I was sitting next to Mark Rabb and some of the, I guess, some of the media for the newspapers uh, locally, and we kind of looked at each other, and we looked at the score, and it was 4-2 to two after about four minutes of play. And we're sitting like, wow, this is an ESPN game. Um, if, if I'm somebody watching this and just scrolling through ESPN, why am I watching this game? It's really boring. And then out of nowhere, as you said, Dylan Poston, just 4-4. Four of four. I mean, and they weren't just wide-open looks. 
I, I don't want to go, oh, he was making Steph Curry-like shots, but I mean, conte- cons- oh, me, contested shots, he made deep threes, and really got the crowd excited. Over 1,700 people were present for that game. Really impressed with Poston there. Well, you mentioned nothing really prolific standing out as far as dunks or big plays, but what really turned things around for Gardner-Webb when it came down to it, was the full-court press. Presbyterian goes up by five points in overtime, and Gardner-Webb turns to the press, manages to make some good stops, and end up hitting the game-winning three-pointer to seal the victory. Well, there was a really stupid foul in overtime that I want to bring up. Uh, Dylan posted how to steal in the corner right in front of where I was sitting, and the Presbyterian player, I guess, kind of lost his mind there for a second. wasn't very... I'm not sure how to, how to describe it. It was almost as if Dylan Poston stole the ball from me. I thought I was fouled. So in reaction to you fouling me, I'm going to foul you back. And at that time, PC was had five fouls. So you have the best free throw shooter on the Garden Web roster going to the line, trying to make this, you know, a one possession game. He does. Gardner Webb gets the ball back with I believe there's about nine seconds on the clock. And then Isaiah Ivey's open in the corner for three, hits a three with two seconds left. Well, Brendan, something else that I mentioned to you that I found very interesting as I was watching that game was the player that hits the three-pointer for PC to send the game into overtime doesn't even see the court at all in the overtime period. Very interesting move on part of the Presbyterian coach there as well. I think the whole game in itself was a little interesting because... No one had momentum. It wasn't one of those flashy games. The crowd really wasn't into it until late in the game. And then you throw on top of that, you know, Ivy hits that shot with about 2.4. The following possession, PC had a timeout on the board, chose not to call a timeout and advance the ball. And then, I mean, you just throw up a prayer, and it almost went in. It was, I mean, this much short of going into the basket and then sending the game to another overtime. But the big stat I take away from that game, Tyler, both teams had 20 turnovers apiece. 40 total turnovers. It was very sloppy at times, and it seemed like Gardner-Webb really should have had that game and put it away. But down the stretch, Gardner-Webb wasn't taking bad shots at all. They just weren't falling. All right, Brendan, let's transition, unfortunately, into women's game earlier this week at Radford. You covered that game, Brendan. Let's hear a little bit about what happened. Yeah, it was a f- nice four-hour drive on, on Tuesday. Had a good time. Uh, Jared Pankhurst and myself uh, traveling with the women's team this season. Um, sadly, the women came up short. 54-51 against a Radford team. That's right here competing with Gardner-Webb for a possible first-round buy. Remember, in the Big South Conference Tournament, for both the guys and the girls, the top five teams get that first-round buy. Really important because... Opposed to playing three games in three days, if you get the bye, if you don't get the bye, you're playing four games in four days uh, this year because Coastal Carolina has now moved out of the conference. Coastal cannot host the tournament, and previously they had the entire week where the guys would play, say, Monday. The girls would play Tuesday, the guys would play Wednesday, and they'd alternate like that. Now, because the men's tournament's in Bowie's Creek this year, and Asheville's hosting the women's tournament, you don't have the entire week. You have half a week to play all these games. So that first round by really crucial. Tough loss for Gardner-Webb. A couple things stick out in my mind about that game. Gardner-Webb led. It's a 40-minute game. Four 10-minute quarters. Gardner-Webb led for 38 minutes in that game. 
the first minute and some change was tied. Uh, the first two shots for both teams didn't go down. But they led for 38 minutes. And then Radford hits a three to go up by one with 30 seconds left in the game. One thing I thought was extremely odd about that play in particular was Candace Brown, your senior guard forward, your three-position player, I mean, has really turned up her game this year, should easily be on the all-big South first or second team. Coach Reeves has called her the best defender in the league and that sometimes the league, all they look at is blocks for defender of the year. And Candace should easily win Defender of the Year. This coming from your head coach. And you keep Candace Brown off the floor for Lovely Locklear, the freshman guard. Now, nothing against Lovely Locklear. I think the last five games for Lovely have been fantastic on the defensive side. Not really a good offensive player in terms of shooting. She could pass the ball really well. She had a couple dishes that were you know, breathtaking in that game. She played really well defensively, but she's a freshman. She doesn't have a lot of experience in sitting there going, okay, collegiate level, first team all Big South, you know, about to shoot the ball for three. How do I guard that? Simple pick play. She got open, threes hit. Gardner-Webb never came back. But impressive things in that game for Gardner-Webb. Olivia Parker had that foot injury, ankle injury, missed a few games. 16.16 rebounds in that game for Olivia uh, and the big stat is Gardner-Webb in that game shot around 25% from downtown. Gardner-Webb's 9-0 and on the season when they shoot at least 33% from the three-point line. And they are 6-9 and as a team when they fail to do so. So this is a team that really lives and dies with the three ball. Well, and then another stat, Brendan, that we threw at you guys last week. Heading in to that Winthrop game when Alexis Hill scores... 10 or more points. Garner Webb, 10 and 4 on the season. She put up 18 in that win over Winthrop. So they're 11 and 4. She fails to reach the 10 point mark in that game against Radford. A big part there, Alexis Hill not reaching double digits. Yeah, she only had 8 points in the game. Kind of struggled 4 of 10 from the field. And you could definitely sense some frustration because. She wasn't getting these friendly rolls off the rim. Um, another thing is, we just said it before we started here, was when Gardner-Webb's women teams lose, if you look at the box score, the one thing you notice is you're not really getting points out of your two starting guards in Huntsman and in Hill. And in this game, Huntsman only had four points, two boards and three assists. But the one thing you can look at is, okay, well, they're both sophomores. You know, uh, I'll throw a Rickism at you guys, for lack of a better term. Something that Coach Rick Reeves likes to say. Um, freshmen are like this. They're like a roller coaster. Big roller coaster. They have ups and downs in their seasons. Uh, sophomores, a little better than freshmen, but it's still like a hilly roller coaster. But juniors and seniors should just be a straight line, consistent all the way through. So what, obviously, Coach Reeves is hoping for come tournament time is that these sophomores are kind of like juniors, quote-unquote, at the end of their sophomore season. They can get some more consistency out of that. But let's jump in. The men had a game yesterday uh, at Campbell. Yeah, for the second game in a row, the men's team going to overtime, this time against Campbell. This go-round, I'm able to pick up the victory 89-85. to 
loss in overtime, Brendan. And what really sticks out is this men's team on two separate occasions had a 10-point lead in the ball game and see the lead trickle away again, just as it did in that Presbyterian game where they had an 18-point lead that they managed to hang on and win. Some good takeaways for the team in this game. Adonis Burbage, 20 points in the loss, was tearing it up from behind the three-point line, goes 6 of 10 from downtown. And as a team come out, clicking in all cylinders, Brennan, at the beginning of the game, taking a 15-5 to lead, making four for four for your first three, four shots, excuse me, from downtown. And then just what we've seen at different times in the season, unable to hang on to the lead, unable to finish. Game goes into overtime, go down five early, and overtime again with Lane from Campbell hitting consecutive threes, giving Campbell the lead. And then Gardner-Webb just had a game where you were down five in overtime that you managed to come back and win your previous game. You go down five again, and you just start putting up shots from downtown, really just putting up prayers, as you said, like PC did at the end of the game to try to win, really not taking good shots and really just forcing contested shots instead of looking for the open man. Well, some of the things I want to look at is you look at the stats in front of you, and Tyrell Nelson, a player who consistently gives you double-doubles, only had 19 minutes. Tyrell was in foul trouble all game, picks up three in the first half, ends up fouling out with about five minutes left in the game, just unable to stay on the floor. But if you look, only six points in those 19 minutes and only one board, Tyrell and picking up one rebound really hurts you as well. Well, you look at the rest of it, and Dylan Poston fouls out in overtime. You know, Poston is not one of those players who's going to tear up the stat sheet, but man, is he a threat from the three-point mark. And we said that just a second ago, talking about the win against Presbyterian. He was four for four at points in that game. In a game where Gardner-Webb only had six threes for Poston and come up with four against PC's huge. And looking at this one for Poston, goes two of eight from downtown in that game. Finishes with 13 points. Here's the thing with Gardner-Webb is, you look at the rest of the roster that's available, and if Tyrell or Lasan get in some foul trouble... Brandon Miller's the only other player that can really play the four and the five. Uh, we've seen Isaiah Ivey kind of try to play that four position, but let's be honest. I mean, Isaiah Ivey is probably as tall as you are. You know, I'm sorry, Tyler. I just don't see you boxing out a guy who's six foot seven, 250 pounds, or, or you know, whatever, effectively. Right, and it just doesn't, it just doesn't work. And that ended up being part of the issue in the game is when Tyrell fouls out Miller does have to come into the game and he has the height but still younger as you mentioned you know less experienced than Tyrell is very good ball player but just Campbell able to go inside when Nelson's out of the game and really put up points in the paint well the other thing about that is Lasson was on the floor and Lasson obviously being the tallest player on the Gardner-Webb team listed at 6'10 sometimes I want to go to Whitney Noble and go all right wait well, let's be a little honest man Whitney Noble being the SID for basketball here. I was like, Whitney, is he really 6'10", or is he more of like a solid 7 feet? It's a, it's a tall guy. The guy's huge. But what's the problem with being huge and, and tall in a league where there's a lot of players smaller than you? Nine times out of ten, you're going to get called more because the officials can see you better. So you have Lasson, who had four fouls 
in overtime. And when you're in foul trouble and they're pounding the paint, you can't be as aggressive as you usually are. So not only is it the fact that Miller came into the game, Miller's younger, Miller's still learning, but Lasson can't really help you out at all because he's in foul trouble. Well, and hadn't mentioned this yet, Brendan, but Nelson's fifth and final foul actually comes on the offensive end going for a rebound, trying to get a put back and gets called for a push in the back. So actually fouls out of the game, trying to be aggressive, picking up that rebound. And again, you just mentioned it. Sometimes when you're the taller guy, it's easier to see the fouls. Well, let's talk about Gardner-Webb a little bit in, in terms of being able to give up these leads, man. Two separate times, you're up by 10 points. If you want to go back to the PC game, there was points, two separate points where they were up by 18 points. What's the issue here? You have two straight games where you're, one game you're almost up by 20 points. At home, on ESPN, you have a packed Paul Porter Arena. It's loud. Everybody's having a good time. And then you have a game on the road at Campbell. Not to mention, this is the place that the tournament is being played at, so this is a good game for experience to get the feels of what kind of atmosphere you're walking into when you're playing for an automatic bid to the NCAA tournament. You're up by 10, and you can't close it out. Well, Brendan, you mentioned it in the Presbyterian game and that drought. Gardner-Webb was actually putting up good shots, and they just weren't falling. Sometimes you can't help that. If the ball just doesn't go in, it doesn't go in. Whereas in this Campbell game, Campbell comes back. Gardner-Webb actually answers with a 10-0 run after the game's tied to rebuild the 10-point lead. And in the second half, it was just a very close ball game fought back and forth. You know, one team would go on a run, then the other team would go on a run. You look in the second half, Campbell only outscores Gardner-Webb by two points in that second half to force the overtime. I guess the one thing I'm looking at as well when we're looking at the stat sheet, Gardner-Webb, 21 bench points. Campbell had 34. 20 of those coming from one player. Lane just comes off the bench and was hot the whole game. I mean, Keandre Lane, 20 points, six rebounds. And five of six from the line, which is an important stat. you, you got to get your freebies. And that's a problem Gardner-Webb has had of, of late. But also DJ Mason for the Campbell Camels, 14 points off the bench. Campbell only went three deep on the bench in this game and had 34 points off the bench. Sometimes you can't help that one. Hopefully the dogs can rebound, though. Let's go ahead and jump in. We have the dominating dogs performance of the week. And man... Was this a dominant performance? Listen, anytime, and you, you and me being really big football fans, and you and me doing doing football for the radio here, um, the fifty bomb is becoming more and more of a a term of I don't know something that's not crazy to reach anymore. At least in the pro game and in the college game, we see it all the time. But anytime you hit that fifty point mark, you're doing really good. Except me, I mean. You can throw a basketball out of it. We expect 50 points from basketball. But then you look at the other side and go, well, I mean, you put up 50 points. Like that, That's pretty impressive, especially in wrestling where, where you can only score 60. But then you turn around and go, wow, they shut him out. Wrestling beats Davidson 50 to nothing. 50 to nothing against a school that's bigger than you. And this being an opportunity to have a three-way tie and a three-way share of the SoCon regular season championship so for you to go out and go all right man this is a huge game let's go out there let's give it our best let's go take this championship bring it back to boiling springs and you go and beat somebody 50 to nothing 
I mean, wow. I mean, Brendan, and it's not just been in this one time this season. You know, you go out and you beat Davidson 50 to nothing, but this has been a record-setting season for the Dogs with school records and dual wins with eight, and SoCon wins with six. The Dogs also went on to improve to 6-0 and inside of Paul Porter this season. It's been a great season beating two ranked opponents, defeating Appalachian State and Duke this season as well. Well, and they have another big game against a, a ranked opponent coming up. Number 22, Ohio. Here, kind of jumping on the weekend ahead a little bit, but number two, Ohio, 22, excuse me, Ohio's here. Cleveland State's here. Obviously, those being non-conference games, the conference is already locked up. But this is important for Gardner-Webb in terms of individuals. Uh, Something that's a little different here in wrestling is full teams don't go to the NCAA tournament. Individuals go to the NCAA tournament. Uh, Four Gardner-Webb members uh, now in the RPI after this week. And then you have five in the coaches' rankings. So as a team, this whole team is performing really well in the season. You mentioned it. For at the NCAA level, individuals go. Gardner-Webb looking at having a realistic shot of a couple of guys going. Well, yeah. I mean, you look back to last year. Mosley went last year. Uh, he went all the way up to New York. Uh, the great, the greatest stadium in the world in Madison Square Garden. Uh, loses his, his first and only bout in that one. But Gardner-Webb really looking to have a couple different guys uh, able to do that. The SoCon tournament's coming up, that obviously being a team thing. How, how awesome would it be not only to win the regular season, but also win the, the postseason tournament with two teams in your conference that were both ranked in the top 25 at one point. You brought them up. App State and Chattanooga were both ranked. Um, and you, and here's the other cool thing about that. Gardner-Webb sharing the SoCon title with those two teams. How cool would it be able, uh, would it be to go and compete against these squads and take home the postseason tournament as well. Well, once again, your dominating dog performance of the week's going to go to the wrestling team. 50 to nothing victors over Davidson. Now, I guess, three-way tie, three-way split of the SoCon championship. First time in Gardner-Webb history we have ever won or had a share of a conference title. So a big congrats to the wrestling team. A really big deal. Uh, hopefully we can have one of these athletes uh, over here sometime soon. A couple different scheduling issues today. We're supposed to talk to Mosley a little bit today, but some other sports have got some crazy cancellations uh, up here as of late because of this big win- winter storm that we're supposed to get. Yeah, winter storm coming in, kind of changing what we were looking at for the weekend ahead. Brendan originally had doubleheader softball on Saturday and another softball game on Sunday. Those will not be happening now. Instead, there was a doubleheader today for the softball team. Last we looked, it was 13-10 to in the fifth inning with Gardner-Webb trailing in that game by three. Very high-scoring game for softball. But, Brendan, we've covered it quite a bit. Let's get to basketball that's ahead this weekend. Uh, basketball ahead this weekend. Men at Coastal Carolina on Saturday, Tyler. The men's team... Unfortunately, after that loss with Campbell, they were in the sixth spot going into that game, fighting to get in the top five because it works the same way for the men, trying to get that first round by. Now coming down to the end of the season, all of these conference games are huge, trying to get that first round by. And for me, it comes down to the three ball, Brendan, like it has all season. They've got to fall. We'll see if the dogs can get that done. Obviously, it's it's 
been a little bit inconsistent, and I think that may be putting it nicely. Uh, we've had times where this team has shot really hot. We've also had times where they're on a four-game skid, and they're shooting 24% as a team from behind the arc. That hurts. You go and you beat Charleston Southern, started a win streak there, a two-game win streak, and you only shoot 21%. So hopefully the dog can get something turned around, and uh, I don't know. Uh, it, would, it would be nice to get some wins here, get the first round by. And remember, that's in Bowie's Creek uh, at the be- beginning of March. The winner of that tournament, an automatic bid to the NCAA tournament. How cool would that be for the men? Uh, let's go ahead and jump to the women. The women at high point, Gardner-Webb in fourth, one behind Presbyterian at three, now three behind Liberty and Asheville. Yes, let's let's just be honest. Two, One or two is really not realistic at this point. But three is, but four is, but so is five, so is six, and so is seven. So this is a time where Gardner-Webb really needs to put it together and go, okay, we can finish third behind Asheville and Liberty. And I know at Gardner-Webb, we don't like finishing behind Liberty. But look at what Liberty's done in the Big South for the women the last, I don't know, 20 seasons. They've been the most dominant team in in the Big South the last 20 seasons. So it would be a big deal there. But if you fall all the way down to seven, you're looking at playing four games in four days, and you're looking at maybe playing Liberty in the second round, opposed to maybe the semis or the championship. Big game. Gardner-Webb beat High Point at home earlier in the season, so a season sweep would give them the tie break. That's always important because Radford's sitting in fifth, and Radford and Gardner-Webb have now split the season series. So if you can get ahead on, on high point, you get a two-game advantage, and the tie break becomes a little important. For me, Brendan, I think the key in this game, we've mentioned the three ball has been huge for the women's team as well this week, but you look at this last game they had against Radford, Olivia Parker going for 16-16. and 16. I think you have to get Parker involved early in this game. It'll definitely be a game where... I think the seniors kind of need to take over. I think this is the point in the season where you have two seniors, technically technically two, realistically three, Alicia Quinn, a redshirt junior, expected to graduate, and because of all the injuries in her collegiate career, not expected to come back uh, next season, just going to get a degree and walk out. So you have three seniors, and, and all three of them start. Alicia obviously getting weird min- minutes beca- because of her injury, but... I think this is a time where they need to step up. I mean, we've had games where Alicia's had 11 boards. We've had games where Olivia goes and gets 16 boards. We've had games where Olivia scored 28 points. We've had games Candace Brown scored 23 points. So I'm really looking at these seniors to really step the game up. I'm also looking at the guard play. We brought it up a little bit earlier. It doesn't have to be great. It needs to be consistent. So we'll see if the dogs can come out and do that. Uh, we brought up the wrestling doubleheader. Versus Cleveland State, number 22, Ohio, on Saturday. Again, that game, not determining anything in the conference, but it can really help some of these individuals in trying to get some bids to the NCAA tournament at MSG in a few weeks. And lastly, man, um, women's lacrosse at VCU. Yeah, women's lacrosse looking to pick up their first win on the season, facing Virginia Commonwealth, and just go back to wrestling for just a quick second, Brendan. If they can win that match against Ohio, that would be the third nationally ranked team that they've defeated this season. Oh, and then, yeah, then, then you're trying to sit there and make the argument of, okay, well, we beat three of them. Why are we not ranked? Uh, so we'll see if um, if they can defeat Ohio, then they have a really good chance of making that argument. Uh, the women's team 
lose to Virginia Tech in their first game of the season, 18-1. to But it's a better score than it was last year. Remember, that was actually at Virginia Tech. This last game was at home. You have a full roster. And me being there, I can tell you, and me covering some of the team from last year and having the awesome opportunity uh, to call their first ever school win on the Big South Network, this is a much better team than last year. And this is a team that's going to do wonders in terms of the jump from first to second year. I can, I can almost guarantee that one for you guys. Uh, athlete of the Week, I guess this is the second straight time we have an Athlete of the Week where it's not a sport that you'd expect, but after such a dominating performance, uh, we can't give it to anybody else. Yeah, Brennan, it has to go to one of these Garner-Webb wrestlers, and it's going to go to Boyce Cornwell, named the SoCon Wrestler of the Week, and he's now ranked number 22 in the RPI for his weight class. 285-pound weight class, and he's just one of those four that we have ranked now, nationally ranked in the RPI, but Boyce, really big in that Davidson match. And any time that you're nationally looked at and you're appreciated, you're looking and you're going, okay, well, I mean, number 22 in a weight class at a, a small Division One school, and you go and you have great matches at Duke, you have a great match against Appalachian State, you're really looking and going, man, there, there's not just one or two of these wrestlers that could really make a difference going forward. There's a lot of these wrestlers that could go and make a difference going forward and hopefully make a good run at an NCAA championship. Well, that's all we have here on the podcast for this week. Remember to follow us on Twitter at GWU Doghouse. That's GWU D A. W-G-H-O-U-S-E. All right, guys. Once again, that's all for today's edition of The Doghouse. Thank you so much for tuning in. Give us those follows on Twitter, uh, comments, suggestions, anything you want to hear. We want to hear from you. So once again, at GWU Doghouse and at BT Boylan, go ahead, give us a follow and hit us up. Let us know what you want to hear. That's The Doghouse for today. Thank you for tuning in. And make sure to tune in next week. Thank you, and good night.